Hello and welcome to Indicast episode number 77. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Abhishek. Hello everyone. So we had our usual lineup of about 5 to 7 stories but then in the past couple of days Mumbai has gone through well gone through shit. And thought that it won't be appropriate if we just treat it just as a story in our usual lineup. So what we are going to do is we have Yogita Limay along with us. online uh, yogita hi aditya hi abhishek hi okay so a uh, quick bio or brief about yogita is that she was there on ground in front of taj for a couple of days at least she was on night duty i think and she covered uh, the entire mumbai attacks yogita tell me the last time we met you you were doing uh, some career and education beat and then just a couple of days back i saw you on tv and you were standing in front of the taj and covering it live so it right. has been quite a change well honestly speaking you know because we are not that big a bureau here in bombay a lot of over uh, a lot of us overlap beats so very often uh, it's more dependent on your shift what is the story you go and cover of course yes like you pointed out i do cover education and the civic beat more uh, so those are the kind of stories we plan out and do now it so happened on when Day, uh, that's the 26th night. I was the one on shift when we heard these reports of firing at Leopold's Cafe. At that point of time, the only thing we thought was that it was some sort of and people had started shooting at each other. But even that is something unheard of in Bombay, and especially in South Mumbai. So we said, uh, you know, I immediately said we should uh, go and cover it. And we, within a few minutes, we were out of office. Really, we were on our way, and then I suddenly heard from another friend of mine who called up and said, "There's been problems with safety as well." and then we got in reports about obro and taj and that's when we started sort of piecing together the information so actually yes i spent two whole nights at the taj but the first location that i went to was not actually the taj it was a csc station you know when we stopped the car we were just going down from jj flyover towards csc station when we saw a large mob so we stopped there for a bit uh, and the whole road ahead of that was empty so we stopped there for a bit just to find out what's happening and we started taking some sound bites and uh, when the guy told me they were there were these two people with big backpacks and you know grenades and stuff like that uh, uh, carrying big rifles and randomly shooting that's when i realized it's something much bigger uh, oh, oh sorry i forgot to mention that at vt station we also heard a lot of gunshots that is the point of time when the terrorists were running from vt station on the crossover bridge uh, towards the times of india building and not having found that open is when they uh, they got a bit bewildered and then they went to kama hospital so after that yes we did go to the taj and you know despite the fact that yes i have covered crime stories uh, before because like i said it more it's mostly dependent on your shift what you cover this was not something i thought i would cover in a city like mumbai it seemed like more like a conflict zone for example when we heard the first shooting at um, csp station my video journalist and i uh, we in the pillar at csc station because it was really random and really abid after that we thought let let's go and stand near metro cinema which will probably be a little bit safer and while we were standing at metro cinema uh, we heard grenade blast from behind us i'm still unsure about where those emanated from we only heard the sound coming and uh, you know the police are face in front of me i i he didn't know what was happening and the look on his face told me there is something to be scared about and that is the time that i was scared 
it was a, I mean, professionally, if I were to say, unfortunately, television and journalism per se is a sadistic medium because you feed off the bad news that's happening. So professionally, this was a great opportunity. But personally, yes, a thousand times and over, I wish it had never happened. And everything, all of this, like you uh, relayed the whole brief of whatever happened for the past two days, this must have happened in real time. So when was the time that you said, all right, now this is a story which I want to cover, not like you say, as a means to feed off like a parasite, but maybe put in some uh, some truth in it without showing too many emotions on the face and just go on record and say a few things? Well, uh, at 10.30 in the night, we usually show uh, our entertainment show. And we, in fact, started that show. And then when we realized this was something more serious, we broke into a news bulletin. At that point, we were all trying to be very careful. Me and, you know, some other correspondents, the crime correspondents who had contacts, who were coming in, were information. We just didn't understand what was happening. We didn't, in fact, we couldn't understand whether this was only, you know, certain armed people who had come in. Had they planted bombs elsewhere? Uh, if you, uh, you know, had read what happened, these, these terrorists had also planted bombs inside the taxis that they used so that there would be no evidence left against them. Right. So we heard reports of Ville Pale blasts and all of that and at that point of time we just did not understand so when I was standing at Metro Cinema for example what was racing through my head is my god maybe they've planted a bla uh, you know a bomb in Metro Cinema because the pattern was unclear when things settled down in the sense I wouldn't say settled down the battle was very much going on in three locations but but it was limited to those three locations which uh, uh, those three locations being Nariman House at uh, on Kolava Causeway the Taj Hotel and the Oberoi Hotel and to some extent we also stopped being scared because you know then we knew that these guys had been cornered inside you know i wouldn't say this there was never a point where i decided to take, take a conscious decision and not be sensationalist or anything like that fortunately the english medium is i would say less sensationalist than the hindi news channels for example so even when we were talking we were trying to report facts every time we were saying these are unconfirmed reports so many inside every time we said an eyewitness said and quoting our sources right. because you know many times eyewitnesses could be wrong so answering that question i don't think there was a conscious time i decided oh we have to be responsible now that was i mean that was in the subconscious that's a general brief yogita that you guys get from cnn and ibn is it that you got to take care of what you say you know as witness said or reports say or you know it is rumored and all those things yes that kind of language yes certainly because at this point of time see though everyone was hungry for information including the crowd that was watching our tv channels because i know that there were people who were glued to television said day and night though everyone was hungry for information the fact was that even when we were talking to the police or who were you know around these areas once the operation gone into the lsg's hands even what the information that the police was giving us, we had to say reportedly or, you know, the police are saying. Because, frankly speaking, the NSG doesn't share information with the police. Yeah, how does so this work? How does this thing. work? I mean, do you have people planted uh, talking to the police and to, I mean, how does this all work? Where do you get your information from so that you talk to us in the camera and we get information from you? Right. Okay. There are a couple of ways. One, we have people who cover this beat. For example, you know, uh, if I, I, if I'm, it's okay to take names. There's a girl called Toral Varya who covers the crime beat at CNN IBN where I work, and uh, she's been in journalism for nine years and more, and she's always been following this beat. So obviously, she's developed a lot of contacts in the police. Thanks to that, she was getting a lot of information. For most of us who, uh, you know, were at locations reporting, but however, did not have too many contacts in this particular beat, were mostly talking 
talking to the policemen around, talking to the constables who are around, and that's the reason why I thought it was important. Every time we said that, you know, the police are saying, but a confirmation can only come from the NSG because that's exactly what happened. Once, once the NSG went inside, the police had no role in the operations except for containing the crowds that had gathered outside these locations. The police were not inside. You know, they were not being updated about the operations because then it becomes an NSG operation, and it's only when the NSG comes out and says, "Ha, huh, everything is cleaned out," and you know now there is no terrorist left inside. That is when they start sharing information with the government, right. or, you know, and following that with the police. So uh, the, really, the information was coming from police sources, but it was again hearsay. So a lot of us kept saying that. Yeah, you know, we keep hearing these things in the news channels, and many people around us, our colleagues, saying that the infrastructure on the ground of, I mean, all the people that were equipped with from our side was not the greatest. Now you've been as close as what 200 meters away from these places. So was it that bad as what it is perceived to be or what was the reality out there? Uh, certainly, Abhishek. You know, as far as the police are concerned, I would like to give them credit that many of them did. Like, for example, I saw Sadanand Date, who's the ACP, uh, run in with a bulletproof jacket myself. So it's oh. not like the police didn't want to take them on. But the fact was, um, the service revolvers, what what good are they against AK-47s and hand grenades being continuously lobbed? Also, the fact is that these happened in several locations in and around South Bombay. Now, I don't know this number myself, but there are only specific number of police stations in uh, the Kulaba area, for example, in South Bombay, and there are only specific number of police personnel there. So for them to handle all of these locations at one time, yes, it was a tough task. You said you were talking to policemen and all those things. You were seeing all them run around here and there. Did you ever get a sense of feeling that this operation is under their control? Did you get a feeling that... It was being run in a particular way. No, uh, certainly not. The police did not know what had hit them. Very early on, you know, Heman Karkare and Ashok Kamte and Vijay uh, Haraskar, they were shot very early on, at very early stages of this operation, within an hour, uh, actually at, at around 11.15 at Kama Hospital. The morale was very low. There was also a certain helplessness because they were not well equipped to fight, uh, you know, the kind of ammo these people had come with, the kind of preparations these terrorists had come with. It was more the equipment, it was more the ammunition, it was not the fact that there were enough police people to fight this. But these were well trained okay, leadership, you know. I mean, I understand that uh, all these three guys were their leaders, you know, and they get shot within the first 45 minutes of the incident happening. You know, it's like a headless chicken just running around here and there. Yes, certainly. And, you know, pretty much the same as what the media was right at the beginning when we didn't know what was happening. Yes, uh, in a sense that there was, you know, that headless chicken kind of a feeling right at the beginning. I, there was, like I said, when I had Metro, when I heard those grenade blasts and I saw the policeman's face in front of me, that was the one point. I understood that this is totally out of their control because I just saw the expression on his face. He couldn't fathom what was happening and he couldn't, he didn't know where the next attack was coming from. So, you know, that's when that entire sense of security that the people who are there to protect you are helpless against what is happening. That's when the fear kicks in. So yes, there was a certain helplessness. But what I'm trying to say at this point of time is they are not trained to deal with these kind of situations. The terrorists who came had detailed maps and blueprints of the Taj, which even the police did not have. How are they going to find them out and shoot them somewhere? inside. Also, without loss to civilian life. I mean, you know, tomorrow if a few more people had been killed in that, the same police would also be blamed for that. So then, beyond a point, they just gave up and they were waiting for the NSG to come, which was again a big delay because of various reasons, who came only at 7.30 or 8 the next morning and then went into the the Taj right. and the Obroy as isn't, well. Isn't it a little ironic that in a city like Mumbai, we don't have a force for which, I mean, we have to wait for eight hours for someone to be flown in from places like Delhi? It certainly is. I mean, not just that, the 
एनर्जी कमांडो जोन आई मीन दैट डेडिकेटेड प्लेन वॉज नॉट इवन इन डेली एट दैट पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम सो दैट बी रीफ्यूल ब्रॉट इन एंड वॉज अ ग्रेट डिले इन दैम कमिंग हियर नॉट जस्ट दैट वेन दे वो ब्रॉट brought in bst buses uh, you know when i was at taj we suddenly saw three bst buses coming in and i was like what the hell are bst buses doing here and then that's when i realized oh my god these are the energy commandos you know what we have to understand is that the police are trained to deal with a certain kind of crime they are trained to deal with a certain kind of a law and order but they are certainly not trained to deal with armed terrorists who you know gone through careful training careful planning the one terrorist who's been caught he said they went through seven phases of training one about just uh, you know warfare one about specific informa- information about the map of the city and where to come in from one about uh, sea warfare i mean and and various other phases our police is certainly not trained to deal with that and the fact that we don't have anything better than that in maharashtra yes that's certainly ironic and today in fact vilasa deshmukh has made a statement that we are going to establish something like the maharashtra security guards which is uh, you know on signs of the energy and i think it is much required because today terrorism and this kind of fighting which is usually seen in borders and in conflict zones is coming to your cities is coming right there so you need it you know in places that are likely to be targeted like mumbai it's all reactive though yogita i mean you know things happen and they, then these guys say we'll do this i mean those guys are always a step ahead don't you think certainly that's also because as much as you know the politicians can be blamed and yes they are to blame to a great extent for being very complacent about this for knowing now they coming and out and saying ha hamare paas information tha lekin specific information nahi tha what does that mean is someone going to come and tell you ki hum 9:30 baje we are going to attack this place and this place of course not you have to work on the leads that you get so yes while that is a problem the fact is we as a society and we as people also need to introspect we forget very easily we have already forgotten tomorrow if someone asks us stand and face this in a long line and get all your you know all your baggage checked who will do it there will be long faces and say kya you know uh they are making a stand in such a long if you are if you are made to stand in a mall and mall may be naam ki security hoti hai na i mean they just sort of open your bag they see a female and they think that there must be nothing inside so they barely check it roughly from above but we as a society we are also not used to this we don't want to be monitored we don't want to follow the laws very often we only follow the law when there is somebody manning us i mean the roads of bombay are an example of that unless there is a traffic cop standing there no one follows the traffic rules so as much as the politicians are to blame you know in some in some cases security agents these are also to blame but somewhere inside us this we as a society have this problem it's a tendency to forget it's not resilience it's a tendency to forget that this has happened before right. and say ki chalta hai jab hoga dekha jayega what what i feel is abhishek and also this this goes out to you as well you know in the us they have these alert systems red amber green and all those things the government is continuously directly in touch with the citizens itself so if they feel that something might be happening they put the entire nation on amber alert so that all the citizens themselves know that they're might be something happening you know if the intelligence can directly be made available to, to the people themselves and that's true but the fact is that that's the problem i mean there's too much red tape involved there are too many agencies first of all handling various different things you know the communication between that and for that to trickle down to the people i mean these are the cords that we need to cut across we need to start looking at security with the ruthlessness of the way we run a private enterprise not like we run a government enterprise i think that that is you know what what i would foresee personally do not talk to journalists of course but personally that is what i would see as a solution right but then why why do i see uh, many journalists are romanticized this by saying that mumbai is back on its feet again it is the spirit of mumbai that has prevailed ratan tata is saying that we will rebuild the taj like never before why is this taken as 
the main news as a follow-up you know, to the disaster. You know, I would like to disagree with you at this point, uh, right. Abhishek, because you know the last time around, I agree. When you mm-hmm. know when 7/11 happened in 2006, mm-hmm. yes, I agree. That time, you know, there was a romanticization. There was, you know, we we move on, and there was candle marches. Today at 8:30, we did a show on our channel, and not just our, on our channel. This is cutting across channels. We did a show at 8:30 called Mumbai is Angry, and the underlying message of that is yes, we all want to move on, but we don't want to forget. We want answers this time. Right. The mess- messages doing the round the simple the text messages if you see which are doing the round or emails which are doing the round you know are not emails of you know uh, or oh, the city can move on and you know all of that and we will be back on track and this is the resilient spirit of mumbai if you see even the dna's hoardings that are put up everywhere they are saying spirit of mumbai till when i mean that is a you know question mark so i actually like to disagree with you on this point uh, that you know this time yes while people might be talking about the spirit and about getting back but somewhere you know perhaps you do need to do that perhaps you do at some stage need to tell people that okay you know it's happened but life needs to move on because you know we ourselves find yesterday when i went home and you know the the silence in my house was killing me i was i, I, I was uh, you know feeling like i was going into depression after seeing all of this so somewhere i needed to put an end to it somewhere like like a movie it needed to not, if not happy it needed to have a hopeful ending so yeah. perhaps there are channels and even our channel i'm sure which are showing these stories which are showing yeah. the good stories i myself covered a story of somebody who rescued a totally unknown 10 year old child you know and those are the stories yeah. of courage but this time there is a distinct change there is a change there is anger there is resentment and that is coming out very powerfully and the heads that you are rolling as far as politicians are concerned that you are seeing is primarily because of this anger and this resentment it's no longer spirit of mumbai and resilience of mumbai something that happened in the us back in the 70s when two journalists uh, Uh, I think it was Bob Woodward and Bernstein who brought down yeah. the president there. So, and today I think Vilasa Deshmukh has offered to quit, and uh, we have the Home Minister who's already quit. I mean, according to me, it's the media which has blown this up in the right amount of uh, right proportion, rather. So that people at least have started asking questions. For example, even you know a simple thing like Ritesh Deshmukh and uh, you know Ram Gopal Marma visiting the site. I mean, many a times this could have been passed off and not questioned. Today the media is asking, what the hell were they doing there? What what right did they have come right. there? It not just hurts the sentiments of the people who you know were inside there, came out and lost so many people there that they are making this like a spectacle. Why should some chief minister's actor son and some random director who wants to make a movie on this come and watch it? People are. Actually, about that as well. What we are also seeing is that uh, all these politicians are having a very bad PR week. Probably all leaders from you know, no matter which uh, party. party they are from, they are making all these big errors while talking or saying something. We heard Narayan Rane calling it a very small thing. Then the Kerala Chief Minister went off on uh, Major Unni Krishnan's father, I, I believe. The Vice President of BJP said something. Yeah, Mr. Abbas Nakui about women who wear uh, lipstick and uh, powder and hold candles. Uh, uh, he likened them to terrorists because they divert attention from the uh, main issues. That's what he said. Basically, they, are, they aren't making things easier for themselves either, and you know they are, they are under pressure. They are definitely under pressure, and perhaps they are committing these mistakes. or you know whatever you might call them these gaps or blunders you know under that kind of pressure but you know the fact remains that somebody like ara patel has no business when the city is bereaved like this he has no business coming and saying oh their plan was to kill 5000 people and uh, you know they only managed to kill 200 so you know we have achieved so much you know that is belittling the life of every one of those 200 people whose lives were lost you know belittling the grief and the loss of their family so yes they are having a really bad pr week but i won't say it's not just the fact that 
that they're not used to it or they're under pressure and they're making these mistakes. I mean, sorry, why are you all being elected? You'll have to stand up and be counted in, in the middle of a crisis. Everyone else did. The police did. The media did. Uh, you know, normal people did who were coming and giving uh, chai and uh, coffee and biscuits to the media. Everyone stood up under the pressure and the turmoil that was going on for three days. Why aren't these people? These are supposed to be the elected representatives who can handle this. I mean, it generally seems that it's not just that. They are nonchalant. They don't even want to give a, a stern or a firm opinion on this. I mean, for God's sake, the Prime Minister was reading his speech of condolence from a teleprompter. Uh, I mean, in, in any other country, you know, would you see a President Obama if tomorrow, you know, an, another attack happened in his country, come and give a speech which was written on a teleprompter and he was reading it off. In the tone that he gave, uh, everyone needs to tighten up, cutting across parties. No, exactly. I think the only hope that we have right now is that like uh, the media had turned around the Jessica Lal case, it was only because of the media that everyone got to know about that with all those people going out with candles. Now I think people have given up hope on all politicians and questions that my mo people like my mom and the average 40-year-old is asking is that, I mean, do we really have any hope? I mean, it, it, it's come down to that. And you guys need to have a big pat on your backs, uh, all those journalists who went out there. And in spite of you, Yogita, being very opinionated out here in this podcast, I guess the brief to you would have been that don't spread too much panic even, I mean, hold back on your opinions. That's true, Abhishek. We did get keep getting emails also from a lot of our senior editors in uh, Delhi and all. This is not just a brief that was given to us at this point, but, you know, we have covered blast before many a times, uh, you know, when Ahmedabad happened and then Delhi happened. Right. So there were, there were a lot of brief emails sent even then that, you know, let's refrain from giving out the names of the people who are, who are dead. You know, you, you usually get a list mm -hmm. from JJ Hospital, but refrain from giving out the names of the dead people, at least in the first, uh, you know, one day of, of the tragedy. Uh, you know, refrain, uh, you know, always say fear dead. Don't, don't say, you know, some people have been killed. So these are really advisory not given to us on this specific day but they've been given to us through the times that we've been reporting and through the various uh, you know tragedies that we've covered and isn't so, the journalist's discretion like you said for instance uh, you are discreet enough to observe that kind of civility whereas on the other hand there are journalists who thrust their mics uh, into hostages mouths when they just have uh, been relieved of their harrowing experience saying that and all of that why is this side of the media still not willing and ready to grow up you know honestly abhishek the answer to that is that you know as many as journalists that you can see who are doing that there are that many viewers watching them and who want to know that that is right. i mean media is pandering to the the, the need of the masses is the argument that everybody gets all the time but then don't you think in a, in a way that the media now deserves some good TV like you guys have done in the past two days yes I, most of the times uh, we did wait to see who was willing to talk you know and, and, and then we you know sort of started talking to them okay. but you know the hard part about unfortunately being a reporter on the field is that you know if for example another news channel puts their mic into someone's face and they get that bite and then you know they run it as an exclusive or it's a great sound bite or, or it's an emotional so something that essentially makes good television. You know, you have to admit at the end of the day that television is an exploitative medium as much as, you know, I wouldn't like to say that, you know, being a TV journalist myself, there are times when it's great, but there are times when it's an exploitative medium. The big danger is that if this other channel gets it and, you know, somebody sees it on air, then they'll be questioning you, you know, why weren't you there? Why, why didn't you take that sound by somebody else got it? So, you know, those are the dangers that there's the competition perhaps and you're, you're trying to beat the competition and that is perhaps why, why the reason why 
many of us also becomes victims to it irrespective of the fact that we don't want to sometimes you know ethically or morally i don't want to do it i don't want to push my mic up to somebody who's crying and i don't want to shoot their tears but i mean what can i say it makes good television are there any unwritten rules wherein look you are you are very young you are our age i mean 25 27 so other 25 27 year olds who are there working for other channels saying that let's share some information if you get something you share a little bit with me and i'll do the same because these are extraordinary times where we don't cover bomb blasts every day and there will be information coming in all the time so let's share a little bit well certainly on the field you know during these scenarios yes we do share information with journalists you know it would be hard to comment on that because it's really on a personal one on one basis it depends on you know how well you know another journalist and those are the factors that play out so while yeah. sometimes a journalist might share information with you another one might not it also depends on the attitude the kind of pressure that journalist is under from you know the people above him uh, i mean there are various factors that play out so i i don't think i can make a generalized comment on that really how much of it was i mean uh, you didn't sleep for a couple of nights how much of it was adrenaline and and how did you manage that oh uh, well um, a lot of it was adrenaline we we were going home and sleeping for example mm-hmm. between 26 and 27 in the daytime i did go and sleep for a couple of hours and then came back in the evening and then stayed the whole night until the morning and then again slept for a bit of few hours and came back in the afternoon but you know during a crisis like that yeah you're not thinking about the fact that your feet are hurting or your head is aching or it's an adrenaline rush as well as just a commitment just that's the reason why you take up journalism in my case as a reason why i switched to journalism and it just makes it worth it great i think i haven't seen it but aditya tells me that you did a wonderful job out there along with other fellow journalists Well thanks a lot I, I really don't know because you know I I don't even remember how the things I did or said all I knew was you know I was just trying to be as truthful and correct as possible So Yogita Abhishek mentioned you know very briefly about the Jessica Lal case etc any any plans that uh, you know your company or other news channels are having as about how to handle this We are uh, not planning to let this go that easily you know we are planning various series one where we you know actually want to get citizens voices and we want construct is something like a citizens charter but not exactly that where we want to do a full half hour then you know we want to get as many voices we can call them through our net uh, through our internet website through us going out on the streets and getting them because you know it's you can sit back and criticize but you also need to try and give at least part bit part solutions nobody's asking for a full solution that isn't one but bit part solutions that uh, citizens can give so that is, is definitely one thing we're planning to do the second thing we're planning to do again is you know run a series called citizens against terror which means we are going to try and bring out the stories of people for example a lot of people told me that the taj hotel staff managed to save so many people because of you know how professional they were and how uh, you know sort of prepared they were to tackle something like that so you know perhaps we are going to try and get some of these stories which we haven't really seen we've seen a lot of stories of survivors we need to see stories of courage and also you know i, I do know that a lot of radio channels for example today we interviewed um, tarana who's a popular radio jockey on one of the fm stations and she said every 26 we want to bring it up every 26 we want to talk about it we don't want to forget it so easily every 26 we are going to bring this up every few months we are going to say this is the these are our demands this is action taken these are our demands this is the action taken yeah. and i'm sure um, you know speaking to a lot of my uh, colleagues in other networks as well uh, i do know that you know even though it might go out of possibly the first the top story or the second story slot in some way yes we want to make this live on and you know if there is any way any small 
possible way that we can help you can count on us certainly you know like i said we are trying to start this uh, you know citizen charter thing where uh, you know we want people to come up with uh, with ideas basically of you know how we can secure ourselves and uh, but constructive i mean not something in the air something that can be worked out on right, the ground right right exactly Perhaps of alerting people you know perhaps some sort of an sms system something like that you know where we all know when something has gone wrong you know how to react to it perhaps or set up training things of how to react to uh, a terror attack and you know if you're in the line then should you lie low what should you do should you duck you know simple things like this which can perhaps save a lot more lives in an in an attack which may happen in the future that there was a very good talk yogita thanks a lot uh, for joining thank us you. I, thank I, you so much I believe I you are traveling, visited. traveling back home after work. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. Go get dressed after all the three days that you put in. <laughs> Thank okay. you. I, I hope you don't have to, uh, you know, do similar kind of work in the new future at least. I hope so too, for all of us. All right. Bye bye. Thank you a lot. Bye.